0: Come on, somebody better make some noise in a living room. Somebody better clap some hands with some emojis in the comment section at Church Online. The grave was never gonna hold you, so it's never gonna hold me either. Jesus, this weekend, we look to you. God, we thank you that you sent your one and only son to give his one and only life so that he could be the one and only way for us to experience life to the full, not only here and now, but for eternity. God, you give us so much life that it spills over even beyond death. Jesus, we thank you that what you settled at the grave, you settled once and for all. There's no longer a discussion around sin. There's no longer a discussion around death but you took away the sting of death and the pain and the the shame of sin. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us the greatest freedom, the ultimate freedom in the life that you gave for us. God, our prayer this weekend is that at homes around the world, show us your love again. Let it be like seeing and experiencing your love for the first time. And we pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And everybody at church online in the comments section said, amen, 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 amen. Man, I'm excited uh, to be able to share a word that I believe God's placed on my heart that I think is going to encourage you a bunch. If you're ready to be encouraged, uh, just drop it in the comment section. Say, bring it on, or let's go in the words of our fearless senior pastor. Let's go. I want to preach this weekend from a pretty unfamiliar passage of the Bible. Some might even say it's undiscovered. Uh, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody preach from this passage, and I bet you that you've probably never heard it in your entire life. It's found in the book of John, in the third chapter, starting in verse 16, and I I could quote it from memory, but I choose not to steal the show this weekend. We'll let God's word take center stage, and it says this. It's unheard of. You've probably never heard it before. It says, for God so loved, somebody put in the comment section, so loved, so loved the world. That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world. I want to talk this weekend about the love of God. Some of you are going, okay, I know about the love of God. This isn't necessarily theologically stimulating. I might just tune out and go somewhere else. I want to encourage you to lean in because whether this is your first time in church or you've been coming to church for your entire life, this message has going to have so many profound implications for your life, regardless of how many times you've showed up to a church building or opened up the Word of God. I want to talk to you about the love of God that. God, the one that breathed the universe into existence, so loved the world. Now, the entirety of this Bible, the whole of the Bible, places so much emphasis upon the love of God or the love of the Father. It even goes as far as to say that God is love, like you, you you cut him in half and look at him at the in, in the middle and you realize that he's love you can assess every word and it's covered in love you can challenge his motives and at the core of his motives is love at the very beginning he was love and at the end he will be love god is love and the very expression of our word for love, comes from the character and the person of who God is. God is love. So the Bible says that the one who made everything had so much love, not just for the world, as in some human beings, but in its entirety, everything he created, he loved. And can I do something just real fast? Can I make the Bible very simple for you? Maybe you've thumbed through the pages and you've studied it, and it seems like the most complex, challenging book. Let me synthesize this entire book. This entire book is about the love of God expressed through his son, Jesus Christ, on behalf of humanity. Now, what's amazing is as you read through this entire book from front to back, it's all showcasing, it's, it's foreshadowing, and, and it's, it's also expressing what it looks like to live in the reality that Jesus Christ died for you and express the greatest act of love that anyone has ever done. This what this book says. What's even more profound than this is that the Bible says that there's one way that you can have this eternal life that John three sixteen talks about. If you're familiar with what Jesus did on the cross, there's one way for you to have forgiveness of all of your sins. There's one way for you to have relationship with God personally. There's one way. And what's interesting is the one way for us to experience This kind of love, this kind of eternal life, life to the full in the here and now, and eternity forever, is through one word. Belief. Belief. Now, if I were to send my one and only son to pay the price for all of humanity... I probably wouldn't do what he did. I'd make people earn it or pay for it or deserve it. But yet the crux of the entirety of the gospel, all of the benefits for eternity, all of the benefits of life to the full in the here and now, all hang on, on one word and it is belief. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal Everlasting life. What is so special about belief? Now, for many of us, we go, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. I believe that he even died. I believe that he died even for me. But there's a breakdown in what we determine as belief and what the Bible determines as belief. Now it's interesting, in, in the book of 1 John, John is charging this group of people and he's saying in, in, in chapter four, verse 16, he says, so we have come to know, and watch this, and to believe. We, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Notice that he distinctly says we've come to know and to believe. So there is a difference between knowing and believing. Can I tell you that even the enemy, the devil himself, knows the word of God? The enemy, the devil, knows Jesus died upon a cross. The Bible says that even the demons know the words of God in the Bible. They they know it. They know it intuitively, but there is a big difference between knowing and believing. Now, what I want to spend some time today talking about is what is so powerful about believing because what John begins to say a few verses later after he says, we've come to know and to believe, he says this, here's what it looks like to not only just know, but to know and believe. Verse 18 of 1 John 4 says, there is some fear in love. There is just a little bit of fear here and there in love. That's not what it says. It says that the byproduct of somebody that knows and believes from their life, there will be no fear in love. No fear in love. No fear. Drop in the comments section, tell them no fear. No fear. Tyler, there's no fear in love. Love, not a trace of it, not a small amount of it. When you know and believe this kind of love, the Bible says that there's no fear in love. It says because perfect love, it casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Love. Here's the problem. A lot of us go to church. We listen to podcasts. We read really amazing books. We, we, we hear really amazing songs. We, we hear and we're inundated with information about the love of God. We know about the love of God intuitively. But I, I want to plead the case that if, if the byproduct for our lives is that we would have no fear when we know and believe this kind of love, I want to propose to us the case this weekend. It is not enough to just know about the love of God. We have to know and believe. Now, I read an interesting story while preparing for this message, and it's a story about a man by the name of Jan Karski. Jan Karski, this story took place in the 40s and Jan Karski was one of the first people to give an eyewitness account about the atrocities of the Holocaust in Germany. And as I was reading this story, it just illuminated in my heart the difference between being able to know something, know the truth about something, and and be able to believe that truth. Now in the 40s, Jan Karski went and he was able to witness firsthand the, the horrible atrocities of the Holocaust. And he, he came back. And when he came back, he was trying to deliver these accounts to, to government officials from around the world, pleading his case, telling them about the horrible things that he saw and what was happening to these people. And he charged them. He said, if something doesn't happen quickly, we're going to watch as The Jewish people are terminated from earth forever if we don't act. What was interesting is, listen to this quote. It says that the tragedy was that these testimonies were not believed. Listen to this. Not because of ill will, but simply because the facts were beyond human imagination. So he's, he's trying to plead with these people. Listen, this is what I saw. This is what I, I smelled. This is what I encountered. I mean, this is, this is what it looked like. And it was happening right in front of me. I saw it with my own eyes. You have to believe me. And it says that they couldn't believe him, not because of ill will. They weren't just going, don't bother us with, with problems that aren't our own. But it, it says that they couldn't believe it simply because the facts were beyond human imagination. So he's pleading with these people. I I saw it for myself with my own eyes. Trust me. You have to trust me on this one. You have to trust what I saw. You have to trust what I experienced personally. And the article went on and it says that as he began to plead his case, there was a Supreme Court, Court official there by the name of Felix Frankfurter. And his response was, I cannot Believe you, and so some other Polish officials were there, and they're going. Listen, he's coming on authority of our entire government. Like he was on mission. He's he he, he he's he's actually been deployed to find out this truth. You have to believe him. You can't tell him to his face that you don't believe him. It's so on full authority of our government. And listen to Frankfurter's answer. He said, "I'm not saying he's lying." I only said I cannot believe him. And there's a difference. You see, I think what happens for us is that oftentimes preachers and communicators and authors and people running podcasts and friends can, can tell you about the love of God for you when the gospel is preached accurately, it is reckless feeling. It feels lavish and it it confounds your mind. You can't quite possibly seem to make sense of what actually happens in the gospel. And I think if we're not careful, we could be just like this situation where you're hearing truth, intuitively knowing truth, but there's something in you that goes, but for some reason, I cannot believe it for myself. It doesn't fit into what I know. And I think there's thousands, if not millions of people around the world listening to preachers talk about the goodness of God, preachers themselves knowing about the goodness and the love of God, but never able to transition it from knowing into believing. And just like Frankfurter, some of us go, I'm not saying that you're lying preacher. I just can't believe you. Now when the Bible talks about belief, it uses this Greek word pistis. Pistis. You can say it out loud. Pistis. It's the same word for belief as it is for our word faith. It's interesting. And it literally means to be persuaded. Meaning that at some point there is a transition from intellect into action, from intellect into movement. Somewhere along the lines, the truth now takes root so much so that it is expressed in my life. There's a difference between knowing intellectually and pistis to be persuaded by internally. If you look up the word persuaded, it it literally means to cause somebody to believe something, especially after sustained effort to convince, especially after sustained effort. And when I think about this tension between knowing and believing and knowing and believing and having a head knowledge, but yet living something out and seeing the fruit of it in the way that I think, the way that I speak. The way that I act, I wonder, are you persuaded? If you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 3. And I love this because it it demonstrates for us this dichotomy between knowing and believing something for ourselves. The Apostle Paul is, is writing to this church in Ephesus a lot like us, Red Rocks. And he's trying to encourage them and he's he's trying to give them a prayer to strengthen their weary hearts. And in Ephesians 3, verse 14, read along with me. This is amazing. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, AKA, for this reason I pray for you, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Anybody wanna be strengthened with power in your inner being? The strength that can only come from the spirit of God. Verse 17 says, so that, somebody says, so that, So that, watch this, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith or through pistis, the persuasion. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through persuasion. Persuasion of what? That you being rooted and grounded in what? Love may have the strength, and watch this, to comprehend, to make sense of, to to internalize. That word comprehend literally means to take hold of something, not just to have it floating in your mind as head knowledge, but literally to take hold of it, to grasp it with all of the saints. Listen, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of what? And he said, and to know, which is literally to be resolved internally, a.k.a. to be persuaded, to believe. In what? He says, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Remember earlier we said that, that God is love. So what he's saying is I want you to comprehend the vast nature of the love of Jesus Christ for you so much so that you can be filled with the fullness of love. Love. And then verse 20 is is one of our favorite verses. It's on coffee mugs and t-shirts and people put it on their Instagram and on their Facebook. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think. According to the power, what power? The fullness of love that is at work within us. So many of us, we read this and it's like supercharging our lives to go ahead and conquer the difficult things that are in front of us, right? But yet the context of Ephesians 3.20 is the love of God. He's saying now to him who is able to do far more, to express far more love than you thought you could deserve, The one who can can lavish far more grace and forgiveness onto you than could even comprehend. It says it surpasses knowledge. I think about Frankfurter in this situation. And he's going, listen, it's not that I don't hear you. It's not that I think that you're a liar. It's just that I can't quite seem to wrap my head around the magnitude of this truth. This is what the Apostle Paul is pleading with the church. He's going, I wish you could see. Because the love of God is wider, it's faster than you could ever imagine. Than you could ever imagine, meaning that the love of God for you, friend, wherever you find yourself, the love of God for me is illogical. That's why the Bible says that we need to have a change of mind or to renew our minds daily. That's where we get our word repent. It's, it's the Greek word metanoia. It means to literally change the way that we think. It's gonna take us doing this daily to wash ourselves in God's word that we are loved unconditionally. God never places a condition on it and he's going, you need to think differently and it's gonna bend. Into your mind thinking about the illogical nature of the love of God. Change the way that you think. You see, for most of us, we have this view of God that is if I do good, I will get good. And then if I, if I do bad, I will get bad. But friends, that is a conditional love. That if you believe that if you could do wrong, and yet change the repercussions of your life as a Christ follower. It's a condition on the love of God. We don't live this life, do good, get good, do bad, get bad. The Bible says that it is by no works lest anyone should boast. That's how we are saved, not according to your works, good or bad, that the love of God is there to meet you no matter what circumstance you're going through. It isn't do good, get good, do bad, get bad. But so many of us go throughout life thinking that, don't we? Can't quite comprehend how a God could love me when I screwed up again. Struggling in my mind again. I can't quite seem to wrap my mind around this again. I'm tired again. I can't get my Bible out Again, I kicked my dog. Again, I yelled at my kid. Again, I looked at that. Again, I drank too much. Again, and then the disappointment sits in knowing how could God love me? I don't even love me. I wanna ask my daughter, Ara, to come out here and help me just give a brief illustration of what this looks like for most of us. And in homes around America, you can make an applause for the cutest little diddle in all the world. I love you. Thanks for helping me. Ara's three years old, and Ara, we've been, we've been doing this life thing for a while, haven't we? It's been pretty good. You've been a pretty good daughter. Um, but a lot of people have been walking with Jesus for a while, and Sometimes when Jesus saves us, it's so easy to see his love for us really quickly. But as time goes on, it feels like the rules change a bit. Like now we should know more and we should behave better and we should behave more correctly. And Ara, I wanna kind of read to you some, some new ground rules. You wanna hear some ground rules as it pertains to, to life and living if you're gonna be my daughter? I think this is how a lot of us have dialogue with God our Father, all right, listen, I've been keeping a list of some of this stuff, and I've noticed that I've been watching you for a while that you, you seem to make a lot of mistakes. And I gotta say, I'm kind of disappointed. You, you seem to make the same mistakes over and over and over, and I'm kind of tired of it. Kind of tired of it, if I'm gonna be honest. And if you're not gonna listen, then you can't expect me to be good to you. If you can't listen and obey, I, I, you can't expect me to do good things for you, okay? To be honest, when you don't behave, it makes it really difficult to be around you. Most days, I'm honestly just not gonna be with you. I got a lot of stuff going on. And to be perfectly honest, I'm still kind of angry with you the way that you behave. And after long days, I just wanna make sure that you know, don't bother me. Okay, don't give me requests, don't ask for things, don't, don't try, come and need me, I just don't have time for it, and, and especially after the way that you behave so frequently. You can't expect me to be a good dad when, honestly, you're just not a good kid to me. Okay. Okay. See, so many of us are watching online and you want to read through the screen and just punch me in the face. You're going, don't talk to such a sweet, innocent kid like that. You're going to mess her up. Like you're gonna jack her up forever talking to her like that. Don't ever talk to, to, to someone that you love. We, we know intuitively that no good father would treat their kid this way. No, no good father would be so ruthless and reckless. No, no father would tear down a, a child that he loves. Yet for so many of us, there, a lot of us had fathers that were this way. And one of the greatest deceptions is that God, the father must be a lot like your father. And so we translate the love of God based upon the love of our earthly father. And and that's just as deceptive as never knowing the truth about God's love to begin with. Friends, can I tell you that the love of God is not riddled with conditions? Ara, can I tell you about the love of Jesus for you and the love of Jesus for me? R, I want to tell you that every time that you're in need, I'll be there for you. That's what Nahum 1:7 says. And every time you make a mistake, my grace will be there all the more. That's what Romans 5:20 says. I'll never grow tired of you or weary of you. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says. Every need that you have, I will provide for. That's what 2 Corinthians 9.8 says in Philippians 4.19. I'll stick closer to you than a brother. Proverbs 18.24 says, And when your heart breaks, baby, I will be near to you. Psalms thirty four. 18 says and I'll never leave you. Deuteronomy 31 6 says it is my pleasure to give you everything that I have worked for. Luke 12 32 says you can always come to me when you don't know what to do James 1:5 says and i will never ever 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 stop loving you Romans 8:38 through 20 or 29 says i promise only to do good to you Psalms 107:1 1 says and i will give you all of the desires of your heart Psalms 37, four, John 14, 13. I want great things for your future, Ara I want great things for your future. Jeremiah 29, 11. I won't ever keep a record of all your wrongdoings. First Corinthians 13, five says, and my love for you, Ara is not contingent on your love for me. 1 John 4.10, I'll only give you gifts that are good and perfect, James 1.17 says. And last but not least, even on your worst day, Aracate, I would give my life for you. That's pretty good news, isn't it? Friends, this is the love that God has for us. And I think if you're like me, you filter everything in your life through your ability to deserve or earn a kind of love like that. And I think, in the same way that you watch this dialogue between me and my earthly child as a fallen father, this is the love of God for my daughter. This is the love of God for me. This is the love that I want to extend to my daughter. Friends, this kind of a love is really, really good news. But you know what would be really bad news? It's it's to know intuitively that you have this love available to you, but never really believing it. What a tragedy that would be. What bad news that would be to have this kind of a lavish, unconditional, illogical love that bends our minds. And I I can't seem to comprehend it, but to never really believe that I have it. And so I never see the fruit of that kind of love in my life. You can give it up for my daughter. You did so good. You did so good. Go see your mommy friends, a love like this is really, really good news, but bad news is to know of a love like this, but to never believe it, never be persuaded or convinced that this love actually is for you. John three sixteen says for God so loved Friends, this kind of illogical love is extended to you on your worst day. And it's the kind of love that the original intent of it in order for it to do its work or or what the scriptures say so that it can be perfected in us. The only way that it can be perfected in your life is if you believe it. The crux of the gospel is that you would believe this kind of lavish love for your life. This is the love and the word of Jesus Christ demonstrated through his life. Friends, if as you are listening to me read through these declarations of God's promises as it pertains to the love of the Father and you didn't know that was available to you or maybe you're sitting there going, I know it intuitively, but I just can't believe that it's for me. Friends, it is not enough to just know it intuitively. You have to be transformed by the love of God. God, right now in this moment, in homes all around the world God I pray for people that they would be reintroduced to your lavish love God it's a love that doesn't make sense and I pray the same thing that the apostle Paul prayed that they would know God the breadth and the width and the depth and the length and the height of your love God give them the strength to be transformed so that God, the fullness of Christ will dwell richly in their lives. God, I just pray that this weekend people would be reminded of your unconditional, illogical love and God, that that love transforms them. But it's not enough to just know it intuitively. We have to believe it. We have to be persuaded by it. And God, you went so far by giving your son, Jesus Christ, to die on our behalf broken people that could never earn or deserve or live up to the standards of God. So Jesus did it for us. If you've never received the free gift of salvation that comes by believing in this kind of love, I want to encourage you to do something. If you're watching at one of our church online platforms, click the raised hand button. If you're in a living room somewhere, raise your hand, do something physical to demonstrate what God is doing internal on a spiritual and significant level. God, I pray right now for every single person who has never received your free love, your free grace. God, they've never fully believed it and it's never taken root and produced fruit in their life. God, I pray that today is a day where they encounter the love of the Father, the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. God, today you're wiping away sins, their worst behaviors, you're wiping it away. And Jesus, your word says that while we were still sinners, You died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ took on the cross. God, we don't need to clean ourselves up, but we come to you and you clean us up through your love and through your grace. And so God, I just pray would you pour out your love so much so into people's lives this weekend. Let it transform us. And God, the byproduct of being loved by the most powerful man in the room is that we can be fearless in each and every circumstance. God, we don't just want to know about your love. We want to believe in your love and be changed and persuaded by your love. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ that we all pray and everybody at homes around the world said amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate for people that gave their lives to Christ, for people that are now believing in the love of God for them. Let's sing, let's worship and let's remind our hearts this weekend of the unconditional love of the Father. Let's worship.